Grab your Bibles with me if you would this morning. If you don't have your Bibles, don't fret. We're going to throw it up on the screen. But I'm kind of an advocate of, you know, reading along. I'm old school. I, I like, I like uh, reading the, the pages here. So grab your Bibles and let's go to John chapter 17. Mm, what a beautiful morning, guys. What a beautiful morning. Um, let, me just, let me just take this moment to say thank you for, for choosing to, um, to go on this journey of, of doing life and church this way. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. John chapter 17, I, I think I've got a word today that is for a bunch of folks, meaning every one of us. And um, it's interesting because the text this morning really, really applies to moms. But honestly, it just, it just applies to anyone in the Christian world who has, who has any semblance of oversight or care or responsibility or leadership for other people. Okay, now, if you're sitting here going, well, that's not me either. No, no, this applies to you as well. This, this word today is for anyone who wants to see the kingdom of God grow and be established and advanced in someone else's life. Okay, so that, that, should, that should apply to all of us. So let's, let's read the scripture. We'll pray together and we'll see how much we can get done here in in the few minutes that we have together, John chapter 17, verse 6. We're going to read verse 6 through verse 19. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. This is Jesus praying. The context of this prayer actually, you guys, is literally hours before he's about to lay his life down and go through the horrendous torture for the redemption of humanity. So this is literally, this is hours, hours, hours. So that's the context here. He's praying in the garden. He's got a couple of his closest friends just in earshot. And he knows that just within hours, he's about to lay his life down. So he's He's praying his last prayer that we're aware of and what many people have termed this high priestly prayer, all right? I revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. He's talking about his disciples. They were yours. You gave them to me. They have obeyed your word. And now they know that everything that you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, protect them did I miss my place here? <laughs> verse, verse, verse 11, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them 
and I kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. This is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you that you have a word for us. A word that is now, a word that is historical, a word that is present, and a word that is future. A word that is timeless, that is eternal. A word that is for all of us, no matter what season or stage or walk of life. A word, Lord, for every role that we fulfill in this world that we live in. It is a word that is good and it is trustworthy and it is faithful and it is clean. And so today we pray that the word of the Lord would be heard. Above my voice, may the word of the Lord be heard and may it be heeded and may it be sown into our hearts and may it grow to produce fruit of the kingdom of God that is just luscious for the world and that attracts people into the goodness of your kingdom and into relationship with you. And we pray these things together as one in Christ's name. Amen. Caitlin, if you could just help me, I'm going to keep certain scriptures on. I'm just going to keep them on until I ask to go to a different scripture. We're going to go to John chapter 17, verse 6. And um, let's take about 20 minutes here and let's talk about five ways, five ways that we can pray for others. Five ways that we can pray for the kingdom of God to come. Five ways, now there's more than five, but five ways from just this short prayer, this model of Jesus, that we can enter into kingdom prayer and kingdom responsibility for others. Moms, I think intuitively, you're gonna, you're gonna read these things, you're gonna hear these points, and possibly intuitively, you're gonna start thinking about these things in terms of, of your relationship with your kids. I know that I did when I saw these things, but as a pastor, I'm praying these things over you. As business leaders, as business owners, as teachers, as people who work in any kind of relationship in whatever field of society that you are in, praying for your vendors, your neighbors, your customers, whatever that might be. So I want us to take a look at these five things. Number one, verse six, I have revealed you. I have revealed you. These are five things that in this prayer, Jesus is explicit that he has done for his disciples. Number one, he says, I have revealed you. Write that down. Pray and posture your heart as people to be a vessel and a conduit whereby Jesus would be revealed through your life. Let me just pronounce something over your lives, if I could. It's a good thing that every single one of you stand in a seat of influence. And and I personally believe that according to scripture, that every single one of us 
are to mature to a place where we occupy the role of father or mother in the life of someone or some people at some part of our journey. Every one of us are to mature to a place where we occupy the role of, spiritually speaking, a father or mother of some person's life at some point in our journey. That is, that is, that is a part of your destiny. That is a part of your destination. That as we submit to the yoke of maturity in Christ, that he will grow us to a place where then we can be a vessel to facilitate maturity in the lives of others. Intentionally. Consciously, relationally, purposefully. And so what do we do with that? When I, when I mature to that place where I have, I have relational oversight or I have relational responsibility or I have a measure of spiritual authority, what do I do? Number one, it is your responsibility to reveal Jesus. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to reveal Jesus to my wife and to my children. And it's her responsibility to reveal Jesus to me and to our children. And as our children mature, it is their responsibility to reveal Jesus to their friends. And it's their responsibility to reveal Jesus to their spouses and their children. And on and on it goes. And so the kingdom of God expands and advances in the world. How do we do this? We do this by posturing ourselves to be vessels of revelation of who Christ is to the world around us. And particularly to those in our field of oversight. Are you with me this morning? And that's something you can pray. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get in a little bit of a loss on how to pray. And thank God for tongues. I feel like, Paul, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I love it. I need it. Desperate for it. When I have no idea what to pray, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. But there are things from the scriptures that give us guidance on how to pray. And I'm praying, God, make me a vessel where revelation comes to those people that you've put me in their lives. Now, how does that happen? I mean, if we look at, if we look at the model of Jesus' life, and he's saying this, I have revealed you. I have done this. My mission is accomplished. I'm about to go and be with you. And one of my primary assignments was to reveal you. How have I done this? Number one, Jesus has done this by the incarnation. He's done this by intimacy with the Father. You can't reveal the Father if you're not intimate with the Father. You can't reveal somebody to somebody else if you don't know that somebody that you're trying to reveal. It's impossible. Now, you can talk about them. And you can give facts and figures and you can give historical data, but I'm talking about revelation. I'm talking about living amongst somebody in such a manner that when they, when, when they interact with your life, there's something about the goodness of God that they're picking up on that you didn't just get in a book. I'm talking about when you're with someone, share testimony. I'm talking about when you're with the people of God or the people of the world, make those interactions meaningful. Make them meaningful. Are you, are you with me today? Make them meaningful. There's more to talk about than the NBA Finals. As much as I love the NBA Finals, how are you revealing Christ to the people in your field? How are you doing that? Now, we can get into your habitus, your reflex. We can get into the life choices that you make. We can get into how you respond under pressure. Are you revealing Christ? Okay, we can get into the overflow of what you're getting in that secret place with God. How are you revealing Christ 
to the people. We can get into intentionally, how are you planning? How are you planning on revealing Christ incrementally in the lives of your children? How are you doing that? Think about those things. Have those kinds of conversation with the Lord, with your elders, with your mentors, with your friends. Create those kind of conversations where you sit down with the Wagles or the Canerums or the Canigliero's and say, how are you guys, how are you choosing to intentionally create a culture in your family whereby Christ is being revealed? One of the reasons why we do all the things that we do in our liturgy is so that Christ can be revealed. I believe that today, the manner in which we chose to do what we did, Christ was revealed. I believe that. I believe there was an aspect and an element of who God as Father is, who is present, who is attentive, who cares, who is, who is in the midst of our pain, who is a healer, who is a God who celebrates. All of those things were revealed implicitly in our liturgy. When we come to the table, Christ is being revealed in a unique way. Everything that we do creates an opportunity for Christ to be revealed. But I think the main thing that we've got to dial in on is this, is that you can only give revelation to the degree that you have revelation. Think about that, guys. Think about that. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, they obeyed your word, number two. Look at verse seven. Now they know that everything that you have given me comes from you. Let's look at verse eight. For I gave them the words that you gave me. Here's number two. What words are you sharing? So Jesus says, number one, I revealed them. Number two, he says, I gave them the words you gave me. You know, a lot of times when people are going through conflict or confusion or situations in life, I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we need to check ourselves and ask, are we just giving our opinions? Because what worked for you may not be what God has for them. This is what, this is what Jesus says, Father, in the marching orders that you gave me, you commissioned me to give them specific words. You commissioned me to give them your word. And we're not just talking about the written scriptures, because remember, the New Testament wasn't written at this time. There were elements of the Old Testament that were written, and Jesus is, he is saying that I gave them your word, but he's talking about I gave them a revelation of the character and the nature and the will of God. I gave that to them out of the overflow of revelation that you brought to me. So listen, in every interaction, there is a word. In every interaction, in every situation, there is a word. There is a word of peace. There is a word of wisdom. There is a word of clarity. Something that I try to do, I try to do in most of the interactions that I have with people is that as we are interacting, I'm having two conversations that are going on. I'm listening to what you're saying, but I'm at the same time saying, Lord, help me to tend to what you are doing in their lives. Lord, give me wisdom for this situation. Lord, what word do you have for this person? I'm constantly dialing in and saying, God, help me be a vessel where I could give them the words that you gave me. Now, again, what we're gonna see in all of, almost all of these verses, guys, is this overarching principle that is, that is really a principle of the kingdom and the Christian life, and it's a principle that we try to live here in Antioch is that you can only give what you've received. 
Ministry is the overflow of what you've received from Christ. Most of us ministers have been burnt up and blown out because we've been trying to give out of our own tank and our own reserves. Most of us parents, most of us business leaders, we're just dry. And here's what I'm here to tell you today. There, there is an inexhaustible supply. There is a resource that never runs dry from which you can lay a hold of and you can give revelation and you can give wisdom and you can give peace and you can give words. There are words for every situation you encounter. You are a minister. And I pray, I, I am beginning now to pray these things. I'm praying, Lord, I pray that you would give me the words for the people that you put me in contact with on a daily basis. Number three, let's look at verse nine. I pray for them. So number one, I revealed you to them. Number two, I gave them the words you gave me. And here's here's probably my favorite one. I just love it. Three word sentence. I pray for them. Boy, I tell you, that was convicting when I read that. I just was, that was just convicting. Man, when I started off with kids, I don't know if it was, I, I, I just, man, I would saturate those guys in prayer. I would saturate them. Milan couldn't breathe without a prayer coming out of my mouth over her. It was ridiculous, and I loved it. It was amazing. There was a, just a wonderful grace on it. And then Kenya, man, just, just the life, blood, and breath of prayer. And then the twins came. Yeah, and the prayers went down a little bit. (laughs) Prayer, sleep, sleep. Life happens. Life gets busy. Things happen. It is just a reality of learning to navigate this world in Christ. And there's no condemnation on that. But I tell you, when I read that, what it did was it said, son, pray for them. Pray. This This is one of the marching orders of Jesus. When we look at the responsibilities that Jesus had as he was sent by the Father, as he was sent as a father, one of his responsibilities was to pray for them. And I just wrote this down in my journal. I'm going to stand before God, you guys. I'm going to stand before God. He's going to ask me. We're going to have great conversations. He's going to ask me a lot of things. But one of the things he's going to ask me is, son, did you reveal Jesus to those people I gave to you? He's going to ask me that question. I believe it. And then he's going to say, did you give them the words that I gave you? And then he's going to say, son, did you pray for them? Did you pray for Jake and Courtney? Did you pray for the Thompsons? Did you pray for the Hoyts? Did you pray for them? Did you pray for them? Something I have found in life, I have found that it's much easier to talk about a situation than it is to take that situation to God. I have found it's much easier to complain about a situation. I have found that it's much easier to talk to another person about a situation than it is to talk to God. And it's not an either or. It really isn't. But what it is is a matter of priority. Because when I talk to God about the situation and I talk to God about the people and I talk to God about the conflict and the confusion and the anxiety and the fear and the insecurity and the frustration, when I bring that to the Lord and I invite the kingdom of God to break into that, it purifies the conversation that I have about that with others. It cleanses 
the conversation. It enables me to hear wisdom. It enables me not to get stuck and just fixated on the things that I hate about the situation. It opens up my spirit to receive a word from the Lord through the people that he's put in my life. Are you with me on that? Jesus says, I pray for them. I love this. I am not praying for the world, but I pray for those you have given me. There are people where you are right now that you can definitively say, God has given these people to me. God has given these people to me. And it it might be your grandchildren. It It might be your staff. It might be the 20 or the two or the 200 employees it, whatever it might be, it might be your chi- your one child, whatever it is. There are people that God has given to you. And let's be very, very clear on this. You are not responsible for anyone's salvation. You're not responsible to the, be the mediator. You're not responsible for anyone's decisions, but you hold an element of responsibility. You hold an element of responsibility to partner with God for his will to come about in the lives of the people that he has assigned you to. There are people, you guys are so funny. All you guys are just fanning yourselves. I love it. Guys, listen, the AC, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. It's, in, in Jesus' name, it is coming. I call those things that are not as though they were. In the name of Jesus, it is coming soon. I just reach out into the portals and I pull down some cold air. It's coming, it's, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> oh, I love it. I feel like I'm in Africa right now. Oh, I love it. <laughs> My, minus all the white faces. <laughs> Guys, you're responsible. I thoroughly believe that there are things that God is looking to us to pray for on behalf of someone else to participate with him for the will of God to come forth in their lives. We enter into the yoke of partnership of what God wants to do in the lives of those around us. It is a privilege and it is a responsibility. I would even say it's a burden. It is a burden. It's a healthy burden. It is a burden we share with God to see his will come about in the lives of others. But remember, Jesus says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light, which means that there is a grace to enter into that thing that God is doing and wanting to do on behalf of those that are around you. Every one of us is called to be an intercessor to some degree. You may not say that intercession is your primary spiritual gift. That's okay. You're still called to be an intercessor. You are. Jesus is our model. He's in our example. Take inventory with the Holy Spirit. God, who are the ones that you've assigned me to and who are the ones that you've assigned to me? I've got this little list here. It's called my tending, tending my garden list. I'm not going to read all the names, but, but here's, here's my list. Breaking up into family, board, elder, staff, life group leaders, ministry directors, young leaders, potential leaders. Your names are on here. Leon Loman, Everett, Sharon Ford, Tori June Ebel, Jordan Alyssa Huggins, Vlad Melissa Garbus, Elliot Aubrey Bannister, uh, Jesse and Monica Mutzaba, Lauren and Jen uh, Oscom, Sedron and Tamara Smith, Christian Tonkins, Ellie Tonkins, Jonathan Bonnie Swindle. Your names are on the, I pray for you. Your names are on my list. You're assigned to me. I'm assigned to you. I'm responsible to participate with the kingdom of God coming in your life. 
And so are you. Find out who those people are. Now, don't sit back and go, my name wasn't on that list. <laughs> don't do that. All right. Step up. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> oh, number four, number four. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> number four, look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. While I was with them, I protected them. Look at that. I protected them. And you go all over the map with this. I protected them. And I kept them safe by the power of that name, that name that you gave me. In the name of me. Listen, when you begin to participate with God in the place of prayer and in the natural on behalf of others, you become a form of a shield. You become a form. Now, we, we, we've gotten really weird about all this, and maybe at some point I'll bring a little bit of balance. But you become a form of a covering, but you are no one's ultimate covering. Are, are, you, are you with me? You become a form. You partic- God is the ultimate covering. And thank God for all the apostolic people out there who think that there are coverings. But listen, they are a form. You're a form. You enter into God. You enter into the the authority and the power that God has given to us to reinforce the covering of God over someone's life. You and I are no one's covering in and of ourselves. Biologically, I am in my children's covering for a season until they reach the place of maturity if I do my job. But my job is not to be their primary covering for the entirety of the duration of their lives, whereby they're, they're completely dependent upon me for making decisions and for functioning. That's, that's, that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to help mature them unto a place where they can be functioning in the Lord, and then, then we transition to a place of friendship. Jesus modeled that for us. No longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. This is what Jesus says, I protected them. There are assignments, and Jesus said this to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, Peter, but guess what? I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm not praying that the Lord take you out of this situation. Some parents need to hear this. It's not your job to inoculate your children from hardship. It's not your job to immunize them from every adversity and challenge that life brings their way. Josh Westby and I were watching the kids yesterday while the ladies got together. It's hilarious. It's hilarious, man. And uh, we're in this pre-K room, and uh, Josh has this game going where they're just tossing the ball, and, and Kingston just sidearms this thing, and boom, it just hits Josh's daughter right in the, just bam, right in the chin. And, and I hope Josh doesn't feel bad about this. But she starts crying, and he's like, Avonlea, you're fine. Come on. You're good. You're good. Let's go. You're fine. And I was like, dang, Josh. That's kind of validating because that's what I do to my kids, you know? (laughs) So then I went over and I picked up that ball and I was like, oh yeah, she's fine. That ball is so soft. She's totally fine. No, listen, here the point is this. The point is this. The point is this. Listen, whether it's somebody accidentally throwing a ball at us or whether it's disappointment or whether it's things that happen that, that, that we just cannot explain, it is not our job to insulate people 
from disappointment or hardship or adversity or opposition. Life is, that is what life is. That is what life is. We will experience this. And here's what Jesus is saying. When he is saying, I protected them, he is saying two things here. Number one, that there are assignments of the enemy that Jesus, I believe Jesus wrestled with in the place of prayer to provide that sense of spiritual covering around his disciples. And yet we see that that his disciples all had decisions of their own. We still see that even with Jesus interceding, wrestling with God in spiritual places, we still see that one, because of their will, made decisions to not follow God all the way. We see that. So some of us need to take a little bit, some of us have put, some of us have put blame on our lives for decisions that our children have made. Listen, you've done a good job. You've done a good job. You've done a good job. You have parented, you have loved, you have provided, you have protected, you have prayed. Could you have done more? Obviously, all of us could. Take that shame off of your lives. God's got them. They have a will. They have, they have the authority to make choices, okay? Jesus lost one too. I'm not saying your kids are gonna be lost. Hear me today. What I'm trying to take off of you is an undue, unnecessary responsibility that maybe we have put upon ourselves and the enemy is having a field day on your mind. I'm taking that off of you today, right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus wrestled for the purposes of God in the place of protection, protecting their lives. But number two, Jesus was wrestling for their faith to be protected, which is ultimately the main thing. That our faith, though it is tested, will be like gold, refined in the fire. So when that day comes, then we shall be presented to God blameless and holy, without blemish. Are you understanding me today? So yes, I am all for, listen, if we're not careful, we will helicopter our kids to death. We will helicopter our employees. We will micromanage. We we cannot do that. We pray for the purpose and the will of God. We pray against the plans of the enemy, but we pray that their faith would not fail, that their faith would be strong and deeply rooted in God. That's how we pray for our kids. God, in the midst of an over-sexualized culture, I'm telling you, man, I see what's coming ahead and I am freaking out. Snapchat just being the tip of the iceberg. Seriously. But I, can't, I cannot let that enter in and consume me. I pray for their protection, but I pray for their faith, for the roots of their faith to go deep in God. And I pray that regularly. I pray that for you, and you pray that for the people God has called you to. What number am I on? Five? Five. Number one, I pray that, Christ, I pray that God was revealed. Number two, I pray that the words that God has given me would be revealed unto them. Number three, I pray for them. Number four, I protected them. And here's number five. This is number five. Verse 18. Um, Elliot, are you my keys guy? Are you, we're, all right, dude. Come on up, man. Verse 18. I sent them. I revealed you, I revealed your word, I prayed for them, I protected them, and I sent them. There comes a time, there comes a time. There's there's some business leaders 
that are, there's some ministry leaders, business leaders right here in this room right now. You've been wrestling. You've been wrestling through this. There are some people that it's time to give a little bit more authority to because, because their sending season's coming. Their sending season is coming, okay? Because every healthy life cycle comes to a place where it must be sent. It can be sent within the organization or it can be sent outside of the organization. We see this with our children. Listen, some of us, I know some of the best families and particularly in other cultures, I'm not necessarily talking about sending them out of your home, but even if you have grown kids in your home, there needs to be a sending that takes place. Even if they're still listening, I mean, even if they're still, (laughs) even if they're still living, even if they're still living in your house, there needs to be a sending that goes on. You understand what I'm saying? There needs to be a demarcation. There needs to be a rite of passage. There needs to be a son, daughter. I am now helping you transition. Yes, you're still in my house, but I'm helping you transition into a commissioned authority whereby you begin to assume a sense of responsibility for the call and the purpose of God and the destiny of God on your life. I can't hold your hand anymore. I will be present. I will be available. I will give you counsel. I will give you wisdom. I will never stop praying for you, but I cannot run to your aid. I cannot run to your aid. Man, if my parents paid all of my bills, if they paid all of my debts, I would never learn the discipline of budgeting. I would never learn the discipline of saying no to something, delayed gratification. I would never learn that discipline if someone always came and rescued me out of the pain of the consequence. Listen, some of you need to hear this. Some of the pain that you're experiencing is the natural process that God has set in motion to teach you. It is your teacher. It is your teacher. It is your teacher. Stop bucking your teacher. Stop bucking your teacher and stop looking for someone. I feel the holy Go, stop looking for someone to relieve you from the yoke of learning that God has put you in. That's not what redemption is. That is not what redemption is. And it's called a false mercy. Guys, listen, it is called a false mercy and you are crippling your children or your grandchildren because of it or your workers or your coworkers or your friends. You're crippling them. You're robbing them. You know, when a, when a caterpillar enters into that cocoon, there is a story of a little boy, man. He came and he saw, he saw the metamorphosis happening. I mean, just he and his grandfather were walking just along and he saw the metamorphosis happening. And he, saw, he saw the wings of that butterfly starting to push and starting to push. And so the son just came and he just clipped it open. Here, let me help you. It died. It died. Why? Because it was the struggle. It was the struggle that fortified the wings of that butterfly. It was the struggle that enabled the wings of that butterfly to then fight against gravity to fly and fulfill its destiny. So sometimes we're rolling around thinking that we're helping someone and all we're doing is we're clipping their wings 
We're rescuing them out of false mercy. Guys, I promise you, I had no intention of going here today. I sense the spirit of the Lord, and I'm not trying to be manipulative. Some of you need to hear that you need to stop trying to rescue the people around you. All right, let's, let's, let's come to the table. Come on, let's all stand.